Welcome to Is This Good, the show where we boldly, conclusively, and scientifically decide what things in this big wide world are good. I'm Matt Austin, and with me as always is production powerhouse Jason Doyle. Hello. Hi, JD. And he's a former NCAA baller. He created and starred in Comedy Central's animated Legends of Chamberlain Heights. He wrote on Netflix's Colin in Black and White. He hosts No Chill with Gilbert Arenas and the Out of Pocket podcast. And if you think that keeps him busy enough, you'd be wrong, because he spends every night doing what you probably know him best for, clowning the NBA with a stockpile of intercontinental ballistic memes and earning the title of GOAT from no less than LeBron James. He's the king of NBA Twitter. It's Josiah Johnson. Josiah, welcome to Is This Good? I'll tell you what was good. That intro was pretty phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Butter me up. Get me ready to go. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So one thing that I was uh, definitely wrong about, I kind of assumed that you got your start on NBA Twitter, uh, you know, got a big following and then got props from like LeBron James, from Jordan Peele, and then that's how you got noticed in the entertainment world, and that's how you got into uh, writing for TV. But when I did a little research, turns out that was completely wrong, and you uh, created and starred in Legends of Chamberlain Heights for Comedy Central before you ever really on Twitter, and it was through doing the social media for that show that you started popping off on Twitter. So what was the genesis of that show? How did that get started? Well, that's a mistake that a lot of people make. It's funny, man. People will be like, oh, man, you, you weren't shit till LeBron put you on. It's like, no, I was doing a lot of shit before that happened, but... <laughs> It is what it is. So, look, I've been working in the entertainment game. I played ball at UCLA. wasn't that good. Had to figure my life out. Uh, graduated 2005. Started working for a bunch of sports networks like Fox Sports, NFL Network, all these other companies. And while I was working there, I kind of had this, this, this itch to want to try and get into the blog space. I'd seen a lot of great sites like Deadspin was really moving and shaking back in those days. But there was not really anything for the, you know, the, the urban black demographic. So started a website called Jersey Chaser. We were kind of like the off-kilter sports website. We started doing a bunch of YouTube-themed content. Uh, this was like 2008, 2009-ish, right around the time that the, the Kobe and LeBron uh, Nike puppet parody had, had really taken mm -hmm. off. So we did a did an out-of-pocket uh, remix of that one. Ended up, getting, ended up getting the attention of a couple guys that worked on the animation side. They were trying to do a show for LeBron James. Uh, we kind of politely declined just knowing that LeBron's my favorite player, but he's super, super specific about his brand. And... Our type of humor probably wouldn't align with a you know a show about LeBron. So we, then we ended up pitching a show about uh, my experience riding the bench at UCLA with a couple of my teammates. That was the genesis for Legends of Chamberlain Heights. Uh, worked on that thing for a long time. We're able to get two seasons out of Comedy Central. And like you mentioned, while we were doing that show, I didn't give a fuck about social media at that point. I honestly hated it. I just thought it was a waste of time. I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on it and take away from my life. But started doing the social for the show, fell in love with it. The uh, whole time I was doing it, my wife was in my ear just like, yo, like you're doing all this stuff for them. If the show ever goes away, you know, you're not going to have anything to show for it. So didn't really listen to her then. We kind of just kept my head, head, head to the ground, kept, you know, putting out all this content for the show, did a bunch of, you know, great stuff for the show. Show eventually gets canceled. So I'm like, well, shit, I don't have, you know, anything to show for it, like she said. So let me go ahead and take all this stuff I learned on the social side, doing stuff, working with Comedy Central, do it for myself, a lot less rules, lots less constraints so now you know here i am today so definitely uh super thankful for just social media and twitter in general and for all the kids out there man you can definitely make a great living doing social media don't let your parents or friends lie to you <laughs> in the same way you know kids were playing video games back in the day when i was growing up we just played it for the fun of it now it's a humongous business and you got you know phase clan and all these amazing you know nuke squad and all these amazing people out there that are really out here doing it so definitely can make money in this industry so treat it like a business that's right 
I spend all day uh, gaming and on Twitter. So shut up, Mom, okay? <laughs> I'm doing my work. Um, is there something specific that you think about being on a team your whole life, playing basketball, and maybe even more specific to being on the bench that sort of honed your comedy chops? Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, when you're in a team setting, and I think for all of us, no matter what level you played at, junior high, high school, college, in the pros, whatever, you know, you're in a locker room with 12 to 15 guys. Uh, you know, you see each other all the time. You develop a familial relationship like your, your brothers. But, you know, brothers go at each other, and, and eventually you get tired of looking at each other, so you're going to let the jokes fly and, you know, you know, pick on certain guys for certain things. And you mm-hmm. really got to be able to hold your own in a locker room setting. So I think that definitely prepared me. You know, it's funny, I've worked at a lot of different companies, and generally the people with a sports background just understand the framework of the team. You know, like Bill Belichick says, do your job. So they understand how to do all those things, and they understand what their specific contribution or job is to make the team great. So all that stuff really helped prepare me for this next level. And then, like you said, being on the bench, uh, you have a courtside view of every single thing that's going on. So you know stuff a lot better. You know, a lot of time those guys are playing, they're locked in. They don't really know what's going on. I'm watching everything. So you can see every single thing. You know, we're watching the game. We're looking in the crowd. We're, we might, you know, be trying to, to wink at the cheerleaders here and there back in the days. But you have a viewpoint of everything going on. So you have a lot stronger memory of, of all those moments. So it's funny. I, you know, I interview a lot of guys that are in the NBA now. And I always gravitate towards the guys who maybe didn't play as much because they were mm-hmm. there for all the meetings, there for all the practices. But they saw everything, you know, they, they saw it all happen and they have a much better memory and understanding of what really went down than, you know, maybe some of the guys who played a lot. So I was reading some profiles of you and you've been profiled everywhere, like the New York Times, the L.A. Times, the New York Post. Eh. Um, not, not as good as those first two. Uh, but here's a, a quote that caught my eye. You said, it's a great, refreshing feeling to know that something that was in your brain just takes off and skyrockets. You're talking about uh, twi- tweeting here. But it's also a drug where, if you do it enough, it becomes less and less powerful. And now I'm constantly chasing that fix again. I want to get that next thing. So, do you think this could be your next thing? Is this going to give you judging things, telling me if they're good? Is that going to give you that hit of dopamine that Twitter <laughs> no longer gives you? We will find out. You have some, some great topics lined up. I appreciate you guys. You know, obviously, like I told you guys before we came on, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the starters and, and obviously no dunks now. And everything they've really, you know, when I was on the show with those guys, had to let them know that they really help. You know, there's a lot of people who have laid the foundation for people like ourselves to be in this space, in this world, and really take that leap to doing it. When we were coming up, you know, you had to go to Syracuse or Northwestern or SC, and you had to do all this other shit, and, you know, make my, my demo reel and my promo tape and send it over. Now you can just fire up the computer. And if, if you have good takes, if you're talented, you know, you can really shine through and people will come and find you. So I'm just thankful and blessed to be in the position that I'm in. We're going to see, you know, how this show goes, how my answers go. But yeah, anytime I get to do stuff like this, man, I, I really enjoy it. I just appreciate people actually wanting to talk to me. So, you know, when these emails come down, like, yo, will you appear on this show or that show? I'm always just like, hell yeah, like shit. I, I'm just thankful somebody <laughs> wants me. All right. Well, I thought we were special, but quick bit of housekeeping before we start. (laughs) If you have topics for a future show, email us at isthisgoodpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at isthisgoodpod. Subscribe on YouTube and review us on your podcasting apps. That helps a lot. And remember to tell a friend or family member about the show. Why? Because you are a tastemaker. Okay, Josiah, the premise of the show is very simple. I'm going to give you a topic. You tell me if it's good. You ready to go? Let's get it. All right, so this one starts with an email. Leon L. writes, 
When my wife and I go out to restaurants, we don't always like to order one main each. A lot of the time, we prefer to share a bunch of apps and sides to share. And in some cases, we like to order items from the kids' menu. Why? The portions are smaller and are obviously cheaper than a main. We will often get a lot of pushback on ordering a child's meal <laughs> without a child present. But it's on the menu. Shouldn't we be able to order that item judgment-free? So, Josiah, I ask you, adults ordering food from the kids' menu... Is this good? Do you agree with Leon that because it's on the menu, you should be able to order it? I definitely agree with Leon. This is something I'm, I'm a big believer in, a firm believer, and I do it all the time. Like you mentioned, like when you, you, you're ordering at a restaurant, sometimes I don't want that full main appetizer, right? Especially if I'm, I'm meeting with a smaller crew of people. And sometimes that kid's meal will put you over the top because it's just the ample amount of fries or chicken tenders. It's not the full four to six chicken tenders you might get in the appetizer. It's more two to three. You know, it comes with the nice milk. I feel like the kids' meals always have it figured out. They always have the great accessories with it, the sliced apples and all that other stuff that you might be in the mood for. And if you're a kid at heart, I think it, it makes sense to go ahead and do it. Yes, the primary meal, though, no, I'm not really ever ordering kids' meals at a spot. I'll just, you know, suck it up and pay a little bit extra to get the adult version. But I think in certain instances, like, yeah, if, you, if you're with a small crew of people and everybody may not want the chicken tenders or, or the, the fish sticks or whatever it may be, go ahead and get that thing going. Uh, okay, so have you ever gotten pushback from a, a server about ordering the kids' menu? I, I tip really well, so generally, you know, I build strong relationships with my servers, and I'm doing this a lot on Uber and Postmates, so they can't see who it's really going for. But <laughs> okay. I'll definitely, you know, o overboard on going go on the kids' side when I when I need just just enough to get me over the top. The, I'm a bigger dude, so the main course may not be enough, so I, I'll order the kids' version of that as well, dump it in, and now we've got a you know some extra fries, some extra chicken tenders. And sometimes, especially for those of us who order on Uber or Postmates, they don't have, like, the sauce or sides thing. So you literally just get relegated to one sauce. Like, I do this at Wendy's a lot. And literally, you can only get, like, one barbecue sauce. Well, I need a ranch or barbecue. I need to really survey the whole amount of sauces. You know, you can do that when you're there, ordering through the drive-thru or ordering in the restaurant. But when you're using one of these delivery apps, sometimes they're super specific about it. And I always try to time it. So once I find out who the driver is, I'll send them a little message like, yo, can you... Tell them to give you some extra ranch or barbecue sauces. But sometimes that's just not possible. You know, we're all busy. We live a crazy, hectic life. And nothing <laughs> makes me madder than when I send that message. And like, all right, man, I already left the spot, so can't do it. But, you know. So and, then, and then you make your kids go answer the door so it's not suspicious. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, J.D., where are you at this one? Because I know you've worked in restaurants. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you've worked at a restaurant that has a kid's menu. Oh, yeah. Um, all of them. All of them. So what about the people that say – the kids' menu items are actually there as a loss leader, meaning they're just there to get the family in the door. The restaurant's not making money from this. So that's why you shouldn't order a kid's meal if you're an adult. Right. I mean, that's 100%. Well, maybe not 100%, but that's usually the case. It's uh, It costs the restaurant money to have a kid's menu in some cases. Uh, it's... As a server, it would drive me crazy if somebody, a grown man, if Josiah Johnson came into my restaurant and sat in my, he played basketball, He he's a big dude, and he orders a kid's chicken tenders, I'd be like livid, but I would do it. But as a server, I want to inflate the bill because the higher the bill is, the higher the tip is, right? It's a percentage of the bill. Mm -hmm. Josiah, you have the... The loophole I was going to say is if it's if you're ordering delivery, I mean, they don't know, so it doesn't matter. And if you're, you know, they can't they can't tell. But I don't know if there's a grown person sitting at my bar and they want unless they're ordering like, 
you know, copious amounts of beer or something would drive me crazy. But now that I'm out of the business, I'm I'm less passionate about it. But, you know, you're a grown-ass man. Order the chicken tenders and then get a box to take the rest of it home with you. If you don't want him ordering off the kids' menu, J.D., then put the silver dollar potatoes with the little <laughs> smiley face on them on the regular menu. I mean, that's a great point. Certain restaurants I worked at, like the chicken tenders that they would give on the kids' menu, they were just the sh- way shittier than the actual chicken tenders, right? Mm-hmm. Like just like frozen, you know, like McCain's or whatever uh, chicken tenders. But some people prefer that to like the chicken breast, you know, the actual chicken breast, hand-breaded chicken tenders. So for those people, they should just put a version of that on the adult menu. You know what I mean? Like the adult kids menu. If you like shitty tenders, order <laughs> these. <laughs> Love me shitty tender. Um, Josiah, let's just, let's do a quick, quick role play. So let's say uh, JD's a server at the IHOP. You want the pancake that's shaped like a Grinch that's on the kids menu. He tells you, no dice. What do you say to him? Uh, JD, I will make it worth your while and very lucrative to you. <laughs> if, if you make those kids silver dollar pancakes show up on this plate. I think at the end of the day, I understand. But that's that's like saying the same caveat with like happy hours, right? Happy hours restaurants mm-hmm. are taking a loss yeah. to get you in to hopefully, you know, we're going to give you some discount on these apps. So you could, you order a bunch of liquor and get sauced up and spend money on that side. But again, I wouldn't do it. I don't encourage it as the primary meal. If I wanted to get, hey, I'm going to get the regular chicken tenders, but look, I want two more chicken tenders. I don't want a whole other regular chicken tender. Let me get the kids' meal, too. I'm not coming in just straight straight the kids' meal. I think that is, it's a kind of embarrassing, too. I think, you know, <laughs> once you're past, if you're not in your college years or, you know, your, 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 your post-grad years where you don't have a lot of money and you're trying to figure it out and, flat, and, and, and make stretch a dollar, that's one thing. Me, if you, you have a sufficient income, you have gainful employment, you have a check coming in every two weeks, yeah, go ahead and suck it up. Order the main thing. Get the to-go box. But also, if you're portion controlling, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah. I never like to try to judge people. But I always try to be as respectful as possible for servers. So I'm throwing more. Like, look, I'm, I'm black and, you know, you know the stigma of the black community. We don't we don't tip well. I You know, I'm not going to say that, that that's completely true. But I definitely have some friends. If the shit says $9.99 on the menu, they're pulling out a crisp $10 bill. They're not accounting taxes. <laughs> they're not accounting tip. And this shit used to happen to me all the time in college. It used to drive me fucking nuts. Like, we would go to <laughs> BJ's or somewhere. And it's like, well, shit, mine my, my was $9.99. It's like, bro, there's like 9% tax on that shit. Like, like just throw 15 throw 16 in there. Cover the difference. If, if you couldn't afford it, don't order it. Um, all right. Well, I do like that because that's next level because a lot of people are ordering from the kids menu because they want to eat less. You're ordering from the kids menu because you want to like supersize your, your regular. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. I think, I, I think I'm we totally can all, in favor. Of I that. think we can all respect that. Yeah. Um, so, Josiah, before the show, we poll people on Twitter. Uh, so, sorry to step on your turf and get on Twitter and, and put up a poll. <laughs> Twitter's truly, for everybody. I truly do apologize. Um so 50.2. I mean, that's Ooh, about as I knew close, close as you can get. This is one of the closest polls you've ever had. 50.2% of people say adults ordering food from the kids' menu is not good. Oh, interesting. But that's pretty close. It's uh, it's it's That's recount level. We can get yeah. that. We can, yeah, we, can, <laughs> we got to wait for the mail-in ballots to come in from overseas. We need to go ahead. I mean, whatever Herschel Walker and Warnock had after that was like, yeah, no. auto, Automatic yeah. recap. Automatic yeah, recap. Automatic. <laughs> Let's do it again. I think more people will turn on support of it uh, You know, if they hear my pitch for it. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, let's get to the next topic. Courier P and Sam J ask, 
Refusing to switch airplane seats when a couple or family asks you to. Is this good? These stories, they go viral pretty frequently nowadays, I would say. It's usually with a headline like, this, this woman refused to switch seats when a couple asked her to, and TikTok is divided. <laughs> um, so, Josiah, what do you think about this? I mean, have you ever been in this situation before where someone's asked you to switch seats? Yeah, recently, and like, let me preface it, and I'm not trying to deflect or ball, but I am six foot seven, like 300 pounds. So generally, I have to fly first class just for the leg room. You fly enough planes for me, like whether it's planes, rental cars, all that type of stuff. I try to learn the inside hustles of it. So if you fly in first class, you never really want that one A seat because it has the the straight, like you know, the bulkhead. Flat, yeah, yeah, the bulkhead panel. Unless there's a ton of space in there, which generally there's not. So I was flying somewhere, and it was only like a two hour flight, but it was like. Seven in the morning, I was tired as shit, had been up all night. And like an old couple asked me to switch. And I'm like, all right, fuck, I'll do it for the old couple. But I end up moving into the 1A seat, which I yeah. dread to help them out. And I literally got to sit with my, my legs folded against the thing. And it completely defeated the purpose of, of having that first class ticket. So, you know, just depending. But I feel like a lot of people do that fairly deliberately. Like they're using points or whatever it may be. They book their tickets late. And you know, by the time they book their tickets, those two seats aren't available. So really, they're trying to fuck us over for their own, you know, they were 100%. too slow to do it. And so there's a lot of different criteria that goes into it. But I feel like at that point, like when you guys bought the tickets, you knew there was a good reasonable chance that you weren't going to be able to sit together. Now, look, if it's a one-for-one -one trade and it's like, yo, I'm, I'm taking, you know, this aisle seat for this aisle seat and it's a fair exchange. You know, I do have my certain, you know, preferences and criteria that I fly. I always got to go right side window because I like laying on this <laughs> arm as opposed to this arm. That's just me personally. But if I got to switch up and it's still the same seat, but yeah, if couples ask you to switch into a shitty seat or, hey, take this middle seat in exchange for, you know, you had a window or aisle, no, nah, I think that's just disrespectful on their part. Get the tickets earlier. And look, you guys are together all the time anyway. You can manage three, four hours on a flight and not sit next to each other. So you want to you go position for position. Like, let's say no. you're row two in the aisle. Uh, you'll you'll swap for row three in the aisle, right? I mean, that's not yeah, a big deal. What if? But what if? What is? Is there the possibility of offering a sweetener if it's not a, a straight one for one trade? Like you want the aisle, someone says window two rows back and twenty bucks. That's no. I mean, we, that's definitely stuff that we could get into and talk about. Like, if they have some snacks or some treats or, hey, we got some uh -huh. gummy, gummy bears, and I'll give you 10 gummy bears, too, in addition to it or something like that. But like I said, it's got to be, in couples out there, if you're listening to this, it's got to be a one-for-one a, a -one trade. It's like, think about an NBA terms. You're not going to trade, like, some superstar elite talent yeah. for a second-round pick. So when you're coming to people like that, yeah, we get you love each other and you're a couple – but you also book the tickets later when those seats weren't available. So get there early, figure it out. Obviously, sometimes there's family emergencies and things like that. And I would feel that out, too, if it looks like they're obviously going through a, an emergency or something like that. Or do they really look like they love each other? Like sometimes, you know, the <laughs> wife may be asking you to swap this so she can sit next to the husband. I'll try to make eye contact with the husband. Yeah, he's like, like yo, do, do you really want this? <laughs> like, you know, just kind of share that glance or vice versa. And like I said, if you guys are together in a relationship, you see each other every day anyway, you can stand to go a couple hours, you know, being apart from each other on the plane. So, J.D., you're about to get on a flight this uh, Friday. Yeah. Uh, what, what will happen if someone asks you to change seats? Or you're traveling with your family. I don't know if you're sitting together. Will you ask someone to swap seats with you? Yeah, uh, we're 100% sitting together because I booked months ago and I paid extra to pick my tickets, but my seats. So A true hero. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Here's the thing. If somebody asks me to switch and I'm traveling by myself, I'm 100% of the time going to do it because if I don't, I'm going to feel like they're they're like lasers in the back of my head, you know, like they're going to be resenting me the entire flight and I'm going to feel self-conscious about it. But the flip side is that I will resent them for the rest of the flight. But that's just the cross that I have to bear because I can't stand the confrontation of it. But Josiah, you're 100% right. Most of the time they booked late. They're paying cheaper. They're gambling, frankly, that, oh, we'll just get somebody to switch. Some sucker will want to sit in the middle, in the back, uh, because uh, out of the kindness of their hearts, which is what I would do, but I would be furious about it. It's not good. 100% of the time, they have the audacity to be like, this asshole wouldn't switch right. his seat. Yeah, you become right? the asshole. I'm the asshole, but ha- fuck you. You're the asshole, <laughs> asshole. And <laughs> the older they are, the less likely that I would want to switch with them because you, uh, Josiah, 100% right. They've been together forever. You can, you can manage another three, four hours apart. I need I need my hand held in case there's turbulence. <laughs> I would say one thing you should absolutely do not do because I think there are situations in which this is good. This is fine if you're swapping aisle for aisle, window for window, and it's not a big deal. I'm mean, same section of the plane, of yeah. course. But do not do this. Do not get on the plane and sit in the seat you want. Wait for the person to get on the plane and go. Oh, I think you're sitting in my seat, and then go. Oh yeah, I was wondering if we could switch. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. That's a bitch move. Yeah. Um, That is disrespectful. That is disrespectful. Okay, Josiah, 60% of people on Twitter said refusing to switch airplane seats when a couple or family asks is, what do you think, good or not good? I think people on Twitter are going to lie and say not good just because they want to pretend to be cool, but they would fucking not want to do that shit if they were in this position. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, yeah. So 60% said refusing is good. So so you're, yeah. Okay. People are honest. Wow, Twitter. You know, like, wow. you know, normally Twitter people give this persona like, oh, I'm this great, like kind-hearted person. Like, no, you're an asshole. I'm an asshole. It is what it is. Let's not lie about it. No, we don't virtue signal here on Is This Good, Josiah. <laughs> um, next topic. Seraphin G asks, Jumbotron or in-arena proposals? Are they good? Josiah, as an NBA fan, I'm sure you've seen many of these in your lifetime. Um, what do you think? Are they good? So, look, I'm, I'm a big Dodgers fan. Anytime you go to the Dodgers game, and like I said, I'm a connoisseur of fine food. The Dodgers have a – they used to have the all-you-can-eat pavilion. I don't know if they still have it because of the Rona situation. But mm-hmm. you could literally, you know, massacre like 20 Dodger dogs, not just as much as you want. And there's a guarantee that at least, you know, 80% of home Dodgers games, there is a proposal in that section. I find that to be very sweet, beautiful, that the, these two people love the Dodgers so much that they would, you know, want to consummate their relationship and, and propose – but generally, I'm against it just from the standpoint of doing that at a game. Yeah, if she says yes or he says yes, you get the ovation, all that stuff. And a lot of these are fake, but we have seen the, the points in time where the, the proposal is rejected. Yeah. And you end up looking like an asshole to a bunch of people who don't know you at this amazing game. Now the guys playing in this game have gotten their attention distracted, looking at you make a fool of yourself. So I would say, you know... Do it somewhere a little bit more classier. Really depends on the game. Like if it's a Lakers or a Dodgers game, that's extremely romantic. I'll say that. But if you're like an Angels game, I'll just, you know, hold off on it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, here's a story. So I, I, again, I posted the poll about Jumbotron proposals on Twitter. And a guy I know from uh, the internet, as one does, uh, Joey, he actually hosts Roundball Rock, which is a, uh, a great comedy 
NBA podcast, he DMs me to say, hey, my buddy Sean that I do the show with, he's got a good proposal story. So Sean sent it to me. I'm going to read it here because it's pretty good. Uh, so this is what Sean said. So the Oakland A's have a $2 Wednesday promotion where you can sit in the bleachers for 2 bucks, and a guy in the section has planned a proposal between innings. So he's there, and there's an intern with a wireless mic and a sign. The guy takes the mic and does a baseball-themed proposal. He starts, Jess, we've been through a lot of long innings together. And she starts covering her face. <laughs> then he gets on one knee and says, I'll be your pitcher. Will you be my catcher? She's really embarrassed and doesn't answer. And after it's silent for a few seconds, he whispers to her, but fully into the mic, you have to say yes. You have to say yes. <laughs> then the intern holds up the sign, which says, marry me in all caps. She starts nodding her head like a hostage. It's really awkward. And after a few long beats, the intern grabs the mic and yells, she said yes. <laughs> Nobody cheered. So, <laughs> thanks, John, for sending that in. Um, but but that that is the danger that that she says no. And I I think on the other hand, what I don't really like about it is it seems a bit coercive. Like it seems like you're putting pressure on the person to say yes because they don't want to embarrass themselves or you in front of twenty to forty thousand people or you know twelve thousand at the <laughs> Oakland A's game. Um, so let me let me back this up a bit, Josiah. Should 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 people propose in public at all? Like, uh, I you're married. Did you propose in public? No, nah, we you know we like to to keep it. We like to do what we like to do. But I think look, Disneyland proposals. I know we saw the all saw that video recently of uh, the employee kind of snatching the ring and not letting him do it. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that is is romantic. But to your point, yeah, you're doing it in a situation. You're basically trying to coerce and force the other person to say yes, and I make you look like a fool. And if you have to do that in public like that to get that yes that you're looking for. <laughs> Maybe, you know, down the road is definitely going to lead to some issues. So think about it. Think about the long term. Is this really forever? Or did I have to do this in front of you, like you said, 12,000 A's fans yeah. to, to force you to say yes to not make me look stupid? Um, yeah, J.D., wh where are you on this one? Yeah, I'm I'm against it because I am against a normalizing the spectacle of the proposal. Like, I don't mm -hmm. like it. I don't like seeing them unless the, it's a no. Really, because I find that amusing, even if it is fake. But also, it just puts pressure on people, you know? A proposal does not have to be a grand gesture. It's between the two people. And I just feel like, I think people do it because, I think guys do it because they feel like they need uh, to do something huge. Like, I can't afford to, you know, ride in on a white horse or whatever. <laughs> Uh, so I'll just do it at the A's game. I'm also a little bit jealous of people who are just so into a team or anything really that it would mean that much to be like at the Oakland A's game to like, I wish I loved something that much. You know <laughs> yeah, what I but, mean? But that's the problem. I think like just, I said, sure. These two people that both love the Dodgers, it's nice that they can consummate their love uh, in the stadium. Yeah. But how many times is it both people genuinely love the Dodgers and it means something to both of them and how many times is it a guy just being like oh hey babe I got seats for the Dodger game <laughs> and she's like oh why okay that's maybe a fun Sunday afternoon but she doesn't really have a relationship with the team um, but like you were talking about a spectacle I think this is the problem because obviously in the internet age people are looking for something that is visual is yes. big will make an impact uh, online I mean that's why we have all these goddamn horseshit uh, gender reveals going viral. Mm.
Nobody cares about the sex of your child. I'm just going to be honest. But <laughs> we get it. It's a boy or a girl, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah, I, I wouldn't even it. ask our gender reveals good on this show because I know we're all going to say uh, not good, especially when they start like a California wildfire. I'm sure your child's going to be thrilled to know that that's, uh, that's how his uh, gender was revealed. Definite not good on this one. And this was a... Landslide. landslide. Yeah. A landslide on Twitter. We haven't seen these kind of num- uh, numbers of hate since uh, we asked about bathroom attendance on the last show. <laughs> 89% of people say Jumbotron proposals are not good. Yeah. Um, Josiah, where are you on the kiss cam, can I ask, while we're here? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a man who likes public affection, but I don't think it needs to be on the cam for all to see. I think there's kids at the game. <laughs> What are we really promoting here? And again, it's another one of those situations where you're basically trying to coerce or force a kiss. Yeah. Now, when it's the fake one and all that type of stuff goes on, I love, I'm a big fan of the fake ones. Obviously, I know we all work in the entertainment industry. We can generally mm-hmm. spot those rather easily. Like, oh, this is bullshit. But I, I enjoy seeing kind of human beings that don't work in the entertainment industry who see that kind of stuff go and really believe it. Like people yeah. that watch reality TV and are like, man, they really just had this camera in right at the exact <laughs> moment for this thing to happen. It's like... Literally had a crow in there standing behind them, like, and we're directing them what to do. But nonetheless, like, I don't, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest Kiss Cam fan. I'm a fan of the Pistons. They do that, like, bling bling cam or whatever. I don't know if they still do it, but I thought that shit was the most absurd thing I think I've ever seen. Where it's like, flash your jewelry so you can get robbed after the game. <laughs> like, show, yeah, show us, show us how big of a baller you are. And it's like, bro, you know, there's like 18,000 other people in this arena right now that are ready to rob you soon as this game ends. <laughs> I think. Uh... The only time I like the kiss cam, I think they do this. I think it's the Hawks that do this. Is the the PA announcer will say the words "kiss cam" after every kiss? Yeah. Like they'll put it on two people, they'll kiss, and they'll go "kiss cam," and then yeah. they'll put it to a, they kiss "kiss cam." But yeah, I do live in fear of like going to a basketball game with my sister and and being put on the kiss cam. <laughs> that that is a genuine anxiety. What would mind. you do? What would you do? And, and that's why I don't talk to my sister. Um, what what I think you have to do the the sort of the short arm point. Like right, you're just like, like mm. and then you go, oh, yeah. I can't, I can't. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I would say, I would say the kiss camp's not good. I mean, until you start showing two men next to each other or two women next to each other, I don't, I don't think we can have the kiss cam anymore. Mm. It's just, it's just too heteronormative. <laughs> um, God damn it. I said we didn't virtue signal on this show, but okay. I guess that's a, that's a sincere <laughs> ding, ding, I'm sorry. ding, ding, ding. No. I'm sorry I disappointed you, Josiah. Next topic, competitive eating competitions. Are they good? Now, this one also has a slight NBA tie-in. I don't know if you saw Josiah last week, halftime, Lakers-Cavs. I mean, I don't know why I'm asking you if you saw. You probably <laughs> tweeted it, memed it. Uh, they brought out Joey Chestnut, the competitive eater, for a pierogi eating competition. So it was him against three fans. Joey Jaws Chestnut ate 47 pierogies, and the three other fans combined ate 33. And then Joey Chestnut ate the three other fans. That was not, that was not filmed. Uh, and I'm just going to mention this because I don't know. This made me laugh. In the article I read, it said, it said how important this pierogi eating competition was to Joey Chestnut. Because the weekend before, he had lost his first shrimp cocktail eating competition in eight years. And he really needed to get his mojo back. And I want to specify, this is not a shrimp eating contest. This is a shrimp cocktail eating contest so they have like the red cocktail sauce all over their hands and face he finished fourth place in the shrimp cocktail eating competition he was and this is how the article phrased it he was only able to eat 
10 pounds, 9 ounces of shrimp cocktail, while the winner ate 16 pounds, 6 ounces of shrimp cocktail. So he lost by 6 pounds of shrimp cocktail. I don't know in the NBA, Joe's, I would think losing by 6 pounds of shrimp is like, is that like a 30-point loss, a 40-point loss? That's that's like Suns Game 7. That's what. (laughs) Josiah, where are you on this one? Competitive eating, is it good? Not a fan of competitive eating, I'll just say that. Especially, you know, imagine being, like, super hungry and, like, one of the many people who don't have enough to eat, you know, on a daily basis. Hey, no virtue signaling. No virtue signaling. But you got to look at a guy just pummeling hot dogs or pummeling shrimp cocktail, and it's like, bro, there's enough shrimp cocktail for everybody. Like, that 10 pounds, you only needed, like, one pound. You could have gave nine pounds to somebody, you know, to 30 other people to enjoy those shrimps. But, yeah, I'm not – I mean, for me, also just, you know – I am fascinated, though, hearing these guys talk about it and how they have to, like, create room in their stomach and how they, you know, the mm-hmm. technique and all that other stuff that goes into it. But also, when you watch, like, those hot dog eating competitions, like, they dip them in water. They don't even eat the hot dog the way it's meant to be eaten. Yeah. It's like that dude who had, like, the, the, the hot dog straw and the beer or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, I'd much, yeah, yeah. I'd much rather watch somebody drink a bunch of beer through a hot dog straw than fucking... <laughs> Be pounding dip water dipped in weenies. It's like I would never eat a hot dog like that. What do you think you could eat the most of if you had to? Ooh, probably spicy tuna rolls. But I know that you know in, in like <laughs> wow. a, a tapeworm or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, that's, it's true. The, the, you would you probably die of mercury poisoning exactly. if you just if you pounded ten pounds of uh, of tuna. JD, where where are you on this one? I mean, gluttony is literally one of the seven deadly sins. It is, yeah. I want to swerve, but I can't. I, I'm not. I don't like the uh, competitive eating. I did enjoy watching Kobayashi down a gallon of milk in whatever it was, 18 seconds. But we were in the room, and oh, the most of my enjoyment came from Matt. Your that's reaction. where uh, that's where I proposed Josiah at the uh, sporting <laughs> event where Kobayashi was eating was drinking. Uh, Four quarts of milk in ten seconds. Yeah, that was amazing. But uh, yeah, it grosses me out. Uh, I can't. I, uh, yeah, it's it's just gross. And just like you bring up a great point. You would never eat a hot dog dipping it in water and shoving it down your throat like that. I mean, <laughs> at that point, it's basically a cock sucking competition, right? I mean, <laughs> four by minimum, four by minimum on the glizzy. <laughs> Well, guzzling glizzies. Yeah, it is It is true, J.D., because you're taking something that's good and pleasurable and enjoyable, like eating food. And these yes. are always like, you know, good foods, like a hot dog, a wing, a, a pierogi, sure. Right. But too much of, of any good thing is is bad, whether it be cocksucking or... or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, masturbating is fun, but a masturbation competition? Count me yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever used um like a, a clip from an eating competition as um like to meme something in the nba like let's say like rudy gobert gobbling up rebounds or something and it's it's joey jaws just pumping hot dogs in his mouth not that but there there is a few you know you like you know you got like when your girl and girl and her friends go to all-star weekend and you just get the hot dogs getting just launched at a, a woman's face or things like that but try to keep uh-huh. it a little bit more classy now i'm a family man kids are gonna see these memes someday yeah. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Kids are going to see these memes someday. <laughs> when when your kid goes to the Library of Congress in, in 10, 15 years and just sorts through the microfiche of your tweets, you don't you don't want that one. Yeah, I don't want an out. extensive glizzy section. I want to keep that. Really <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep that tight. What about um, JD or or Josiah? Have you ever done one of those like finish it and it's free? 
promotions at a restaurant like mm. if you could finish the five pound whammy burger and this plate of fries and a root beer float you get the amazing prize of getting it for free <laughs> i always wanted to eat an old 96er but uh what's yeah. that uh john candy movie i forget what it was coming back in there yeah. but he had to like what movie oh, was, was it that? planes trains I'm not, I got, honestly, I, fucking, I'm, I'm sad I don't remember, but he had to eat like a 96-ounce steak or something like that, and then yeah, we finished yeah, it in a certain yeah. amount of time, everybody got the meal free. Just don't see the value in doing that. I'm trying to think, I was somewhere, and they had like this humongous hamburger that, that you could eat, and it was just like, they had the wall of people who finished it. It's like, that's not necessarily a wall that I want to be on. I can go the rest of my life without being on that wall. <laughs> All right. Well, 56% of people say competitive eating competitions are not, not good. good. Yeah. But that was that was a close one. Yeah. Surprisingly uh, close for that one. Good. Yeah. I mean, do you feel weird when people call it a sport as, yes. as a former athlete, Josiah? Look, there's a lot of different things that we call sports. So I feel like it's, it's something that, you know, people put a lot of energy and time into. I, I just, you know, I'm curious to see the training process and just the, the levels of vomit and puke would probably make me puke as well. And then we get that, yeah. you know, that standby me scene or we're lard ass. Mm, you the know, barforama. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, just that thought, like, of these dudes having to stuff their, their and how, like, disappointed they get when they regurgitate it. Like, so Joey Chestnut, I actually found uh, an article about him that says he trains for the hot dog competitions by cooking hot dogs at his house and then eating him in a simulated competition style. He starts with 40 dogs, then works his way up until he is in game shape. He's, he compared it to running or lifting weights for other athletes. And they have to chew so much that sometimes it says they exercise their jaws by chewing 20 pieces of gum at a time. So I, I mean, this is this is training. I don't yeah. think it's a sport. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really torn on that one. But Josiah, we've got a couple more topics to get to. We'll explore them now in our gently paced speed round. We call the chaotic good. All right. So the No Dunks crew actually were talking about this on their show, and Bryce C emailed in to ask: washing new clothes before wearing them. Is this good? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that I don't always do it. I have enough trust with the manufacturer that they've, they've put <laughs> oh, some really? level of wash into it. But also now when you go to, you know, and, and when you used to go to the mall back in the days, people do try on a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, definitely socks. You got to throw those in the wash. Just you never know. But yeah, generally I'll, I'll wear it one time just to get that real natural. I like the, the, the smell of new clothes. And mm -hmm. then when you, when you wash them, they shrink. So, you know, when you tried it on and it fits your body proportion versus when you wash it and put it in the dryer and now it's shrunk and you can't really rock mm -hmm. it like you want to. So I try to wear it as is at least once. And you don't have the, you don't have the patience to air dry your t-shirts, I assume. Uh, I mean, look, sweatshirts definitely because those things will shrink up on me and, I, and I'll be extremely disappointed after one wear. But most t-shirts, no, it really just depends the value of the t-shirt to me, yeah. how much I spent on it. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like there's like a crispy gang and a comfy gang, and the crispy gang's like I just bought this; it's mint condition. I want to wear it and keep it as pristine as possible. But I'm part of the comfy gang. I I, need, I want it to be soft right away, mm. and and frankly, I'm a, I'm a smaller guy. I need it to shrink a bit in the wash, mm. so to fit to fit properly. JD, where are you on this one? Are you washing? Or, oh, are you, or are you a lazy fuck? I'm 100% washing. Well, not 100% because, Josiah, you just said 
guaranteed you have to wash socks. I don't think I've ever washed socks before. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I have either. So. Oh, <laughs> I think okay, those, right. they come stapled or whatever it is. Yeah, you yeah, can't exactly. try those on. But if it was like, yeah, if I was wearing socks that somebody else tried on. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that. But shoes you would wear, right? That yeah. Possibly show, uh, tried on. But yeah, I'm, I do not like the smell of new clothes. Unless... Unless it comes from a higher end place, and uh, let's face, face it, I'm not uh, I'm not shopping at uh, J Crew or anything like that. So, <laughs> that's so. your that's your definition. That's my of definition high of high end. You're talking to someone that's flying first class, JD. You, you gotta I know. out of necessity. But I'm a frugal human being. I pick the cheapest first class flight. But like nowadays with the planes, they made that shit so small. So sitting in the economy now is like it's unbearable. My knees get fucking just destroyed. Yeah, so I don't I don't do it to stun. I do it because I have to, and that's why I don't like to travel too much. Hey man, you're successful. You don't need to apologize yeah, for that. Don't apologize. Um, so JD, you're, so you're washing. I'm washing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotta yeah. wash. For me, it's a wash. If you start thinking about where that shirt has been from, like the factory to the warehouse to like the the the. Uh, a boat, like, with rats running around in it. I mean, I'm just assuming. I don't know what the people at Maersk are doing, but, you know, I'm assuming there's <laughs> some, some rats going on in there. Other people have tried it on in the store. I think you got to wash it. Next topic. Don G asks, social media accounts for pets. Are they mm. good? Okay, we're asking the Twitter master here. Do you, do you have a pet? I do not. Okay. I can I can barely wear my own ass. I don't want to have to deal with with doing that for an animal. But I will say, you know that you don't have to wipe their asses. Yeah. But but continue. Some the dingleberries get in there sometimes. That's gotta, true. You, you, you do got, have you, to express the anal glands you got, sometimes. You got it. You true. know. You got it. That's true. But um, I would say, for me, the thing is, and we're guilty of it as well. But when you have parents that make uh, accounts for their kids, but try to do it in the voice of the kid, or they mm-hmm. try to do it in the voice of the dog. And they're like, yeah, my mommy got me these new delicious treats or whatever. It's like, we know your dog can't speak. We know this is you (laughs) talking as your pet. Like, you're not fooling anybody. You have no idea what this animal is thinking. You literally have this animal held hostage. My joke is always like, look, if your pet loves you so much, leave the front door open and see if they come back. Like, that's how much you're literally in prison. Like, but you literally have them locked up in jail. Yeah. But again, you know, to each their own. I, I do feel like if, if the account is run well and funny and people have fun with it as opposed to like really trying to think about the dog and now I'm going to show my writing uh, chops by trying to pretend like I'm this animal. What would this animal say? What energy and emotion do they have right now? <laughs> Not feeling that. If you have fun with it, you just make cracking jokes and using it for that side. I definitely would support it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Like if you're if you have a, an Instagram account called like Penny the Labradoodle. I think you could fuck off because that's going to be a shitty account. That's just pictures of your dog, like yeah. a picture of your dog sitting on the couch, a picture of your dog looking up at you waiting for a, a treat or something. But if your dog, if your dog's got personality, if your dog's funny, if your dog's doing funny things like chasing a squirrel and running into a fence, or if your dog's doing something really cute, like there's this uh, video I've seen of a, a dog in a, like a baby's room and the baby wakes up crying and he's, the baby's got his arms up on the crib and the dog stretches and hops up on top of the crib and just licks the baby's face and the baby stops crying and goes back to sleep. Like if your dog can do that and you can consistently push out that kind of top tier <laughs> content, I, I think it's okay. But if it's literally just like you're embarrassed to be sharing so many pictures of your dog on your main account and you need to create a secondary one. Uh, absolutely not. JD, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I'm against them in general, except there is 
one exception, uh, and I believe it's Sam Carsley had a, a, an account dedicated to his cat, and it was Everybody Hates Wendy. And I it was just Wendy, yeah. I hate Wendy, and it was about how much he hated his cat. Now that has morphed into basically his personal account, <laughs> yeah. and uh, since he has, he's had kids. But it's still called I Hate Wendy, right? Or, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Go, go throw him a follow. Go throw him a yeah, follow. He did hate follow. this cat. And the cat did die. The cat died. No, okay, so that's, that's why what it's that's transition. What <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. He led, Josiah, he left the door open and that cat was got right out of there. So went to somewhere he was, appre- he was appreciated. Or she was Bro, appreciated. My mom had a cat as a kid. I hated the fuck out of that cat. <laughs> cat ended up getting hit by a car. Feel bad for it. But I got to watch it breathe its last breath. It used to torment me and scratch the shit out of me. Wow. And it was, it was a rewarding feeling. We, we just looked eye to eye and I was like, yes, for all the years of fucking torment you caused me. <laughs> Didn't tell her that, though. She was obviously shaken by Devastated. it. Devastated. Yeah. Can say it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's right. All right, final one here. George A. asks, bringing a phone or AirPods into a sauna slash steam room. Is this good? Josiah, I imagine you've been... In a couple of saunas and steam rooms, having been an athlete, UCLA, you know, I'm sure they got a nice locker room there for you. Um, is this something you would ever do? This is something I'm guilty of. It's funny. Whenever oh, yeah, I, okay. Whenever I go out to Atlanta and do work with TNT, uh, I, I deliberately, like, they try to put me at the nicer hotel. I'm like, no, put me at the cheaper one because there's a much better gym and sauna and steam room. Like, that, that Lowe's right there in, in Midtown. I don't know if you guys have ever stayed there. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we stayed there when we first moved to Atlanta. Phenomenal gym. Like, phenomenal. Yeah, fun. it is great. So when I'm checking Twitter, but the thing is, if you bring your phone into the steam or sauna, like, it'll overheat. So I got to bring a towel to put it in. We'll put it in the towel. <laughs> periodically pull it out just to check see what's going on but yeah i'm guilty of it so i can't knock it the worst for me is like the guys who like will, will do their whole exercise in there like the sit-ups and push-ups and whatever you know what i mean they're literally like trying to get a, a whole workout like laying on that nasty surface whatever it is <laughs> and now that i think about it in that steam room like what the fu- it's not all steam it's like you know skin dander and sweat and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. what is that air that we're breathing in there like i don't know if i'm gonna do it again now <laughs> you just talked yourself out of steam. <laughs> the, actually, the guy, George A., that, that wrote in, um, a part I didn't include is he's, um, I forget where he's, he's from somewhere in Europe, and he moved to America because he married an American girl. And he says that he's been disgusted when he goes to the gym, that he finds that it's a, a, a trait that Americans will go into a sauna or a steam room fully clothed. And then he's right. just breathing like the sweat that's huh. coming off you know, their workout shirt. So I, I don't I I don't belong to a gym. I can't say uh, the, you know the last sauna I was in with was probably with my grandfather you know in 1994. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not up on the trends. Um, but that does seem pretty gross. JD, what about you? You you love esteem. I do love esteem. I love a what is it? What do they call it? A schwitz. A schwitz. A schwitz. Yes. Yeah, I I love a steam room. It would never occur to me to take my phone into a sauna or a steam room. Partly because of the damage, as you mentioned, Josiah, but mostly because I would be paranoid that people would think I was trying to take pictures of dicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that is a concern. That is, it's just like I don't concern. want I don't want you to think that I'm doing that. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it would just never occur to me. But uh, but you know what? Now that I now that you mention it, like to have the earpods in and listening to a podcast. I mean, somebody might be listening to this podcast right now in a steam room or a sauna. That. That'd be kind of cool. Like, yeah, well, that would be kind of cool. I would stay in there a lot longer. That's for sure. Taking yeah, pictures mean, of dicks while they're doing <laughs> it. And I, I think we can, we can all agree. Do not 
go into a sauna and take pictures of people's dicks. No. Unless you ask first. Yeah. Unless you ask. If you ask. And they're like, yeah, no no worries. Go ahead. Get it. That's that's fine. That's one thing. Let me just get a quick selfie of your dick. Um, (laughs) That's something you could say in a sauna. Because it's a place for male bonding, all right? They're usually gender segregated. That's right. right. And, uh, yeah, don't bring your phone in there. (laughs) Just just chat. Just learn. Just learn of something new. Uh, All right, Josiah, we only have one thing left to do, and that's subjective Trivia. Subjective trivia is just like regular trivia, except only I know the answer. So, Josiah, before I ask this question, do you ever do karaoke? Uh, very rarely. I, I'm, I'm not blessed with the, the gift of singing. Okay. Have you ever been to one of those karaoke places where it's private rooms? Yeah. So I recently went to a Christmas party that was at a karaoke place. Shout out to my friend Daniel for organizing that. And as I was leaving, I saw a sign up front. And this is what the sign said. It is a list of infractions of things you may do in a karaoke room and how much you're going to be fined for doing them. So it says smoking, $100 fine. Vomiting, $100 fine. On the same line, it says urine or graffiti, $200. And then the last line says, intercourse or drug usage is $300. So what I need you to do, Josiah, is I need you to forget about the dollar amount. Just re-rank these from what you think (laughs) is bad to the very worst. So, I mean, if you think this is correct, I'm just going to tell you right now the answer. You're trying to get your answer to match mine. I have my answer written on this card here. Go ahead. So bad to the very worst. I'm going to go ahead and say bad. Ooh, okay. I want to say vomit for me is probably the worst. Like intercourse doesn't really hurt anybody. Drug usage just kind of to each their own kind of thing. Depends on what drug it is. I mean, if they're shooting up or doing whatever, obviously. No, if they're, you know, they're going skiing or doing whatever. Hey, more power to you. Just keep it discreet. Don't let me see it. So bad to worst, I will go. The worst I will go is, is vomit. Underneath that intercourse. I'm going to go from the super worst to bad. Um, intercourse. Uh, inter. Wait, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. 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 Vomit. Intercourse, just because nobody wants to see that. Yeah. Drug usage. Or no. Yeah. No. Fuck. Vomit. <laughs> vomit. Urine. Vomit. I love how many times you have to keep having to say, "Okay, vomit intercourse." No. 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 Vomit intercourse urine. No, no, no. Okay, sorry. Vomit, urine, because nobody likes piss anywhere. Who wants to clean up pee? Vomit, urine. I'm going to go smoking, drug usage, then graffiti. Graffiti to me is like, well, it just depends if you're spray painting. But if it's like, it's like removable paint that I use with my kids, that's fine. Like, you know, you made a piece of art, but it's easy to wipe down. Yeah, if if you're bringing your sidewalk chalk to the karaoke room, that's totally cool. Not a big deal. So if I understand you correctly, the way you gave me the list, you're saying graffiti is the least bad and vomit is the worst. Yes, yes. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so unfortunately, we don't have the same answer. Vomit is the least bad to you? The least bad. Because you're a bar, you should be expecting that people are going to vomit. I'm sort of looking at it from the perspective of the person that made this list and being like, hey, these are the things we get super pissed about. So, yeah, I think vomit is, like, common because you're going to be getting drunk. Would you rather clean vomit or piss? Vomit. Yeah. 
I think piss is easier to clean. Vomit is chunky as shit and acidic. Like pee. Yeah, it's, it's just easier to sweep it's up. It's liquid. Just put the towel on it. Vomit. There's chunks. <laughs> you got to put the towel. You got to. You can't use that towel again. We well, can yeah, use it for piss either, but piss is gonna soak into the carpet or the couch before mm, you can even get to it. Fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair. Now you got piss couch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I had, um, then I had smoking. Because, like, what's the maximum amount of smoking you're going to be able to do in a karaoke room before someone smells it and comes and busts you? You're going to have, like, one cheeky cig. And that's not a big deal. That smell will dissipate. You turn on the fan. You open the door. That's fine. You don't need to be charging so much for smoking. Then I put uh, intercourse and drugs because, I don't know. I, I, I mean, should, should doing a bump cost you 300 extra bucks that uh, seems excessive um and i think the worst to me is urine and graffiti because graffiti could actually be hard to get out that could actually cost you money to come in and and repaint or something like that and urine you probably you're just gonna have to throw out whatever was urinated on but uh Different strokes for different folks. JD, where did you have a strong opinion on this one? Uh, not not super strong. Although uh, the worst infraction for me would be smoking, because one cheeky cig can destroy the upholstery of whatever's in there. It oh, you delicate smell. flower! Let I me am. smoke my American spirit in peace <laughs> while I'm. I don't know singing don't look back in anger or yeah. something. <laughs> oh, don't even. Now you're just making me angry now. Before we go, Josiah, do you have, do you have a go-to karaoke song when you're when you when you're forced to get up on the mic? I do enjoy Don't Look Back in Anger, but uh I'll probably Wonderwall, I think, to really get the crowd buzzing. And then you know, okay. something from like the seventies, eighties just to, to really turn it up. But not a big karaoke guy, I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. Not, not a big karaoke guy and not a big vomit guy. These are the things we've learned about you. <laughs> vomit is you worse so- than pee to me. Vomit is acidic. It, it's nasty smelling. And I have kids, so it's just like they'll hurl everywhere. And it's like that yeah. scent. And also, you see somebody peeing, that doesn't make you want to throw up. You see somebody throw up, that makes you want to throw up. You see somebody nice. pee, oh, shit, I got to pee too, but I'm going to go to the bathroom. Interesting. Interesting yeah, we point. don't have merch for this show yet, Josiah, but maybe our first shirt will be puke over piss. <laughs> That could be, and and guess what? Guess what? You're going to get a free one, and I'm going to wash it for you, so you don't even have to think about it, okay? (laughs) Pre-shrunk. I love it. It's going to be pre-shrunk. All right, guys, if you have topics, tweet them to me, at StartersMad, or email us at isthisgoodpod at gmail.com. Remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube. Josiah, where can people find you, and is there any uh, any projects you want the people to know about at this point in life i don't want people to find me so i just appreciate you guys <laughs> having me on like the people that find me now fucking hate me and they're so mean so like pretty much everybody who's found me already knows but yeah king josiah 54 on twitter instagram uh like you mentioned you know if you want to hear all the stuff i'm working on go back to that lovely intro at the top of the show and uh, just appreciate you guys for having me on all right. Well, you know where you know where people can find you, Josiah, in the steam room with your in the steam room with your iPhone. In ninety five right. mascot now. And in ninety five mascot. Uh, for everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Matt Austin, and this was good. We'll see you next week. 